Welcome to the Epigenetics Podcast from Active Motif. Join host Dr. Stefan Dillinger for lively discussions with leading epigenetics researchers. Hear about their past experiments, what they're working on now, and what's coming next. You know their papers, now get to know them and discover the stories behind the science. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Epigenetics Podcast. Today I'm happy to welcome Susanne Mandrup from the University of Southern Denmark on this show. Currently, I was sitting uh, in front of the beautiful ATC um, at the annual meeting, uh, Transcription Chromatin in Heidelberg. Are you enjoying the meeting so far? Very much so. It's so great to be back at an in-person meeting again and l learning about all the new um, scientific advances in the field of transcription and chromatin. So when was your last conference? Um, so did you already the, join like a post-COVID so, in person? So, yes. So actually I organized a conference um, on enhanceropathies uh, in the fall in Santander, but it was with a very limited number of people. So it's not that, that big because I think you have like 300 to 400 people here. That's, that's really big. So Susanne, please let me briefly introduce you to audience. Uh, you got your PhD in biochemistry in 1992 from the University of Southern Denmark. You then moved on to do a postdoc in the lab of Professor Daniel Lane at Johns Hopkins University from 95 to 96. You were then recruited back to Odense as an assistant professor in 96 and were promoted to full professor in 2008. Currently, you are director of the Center of Excellence in Functional Genomics and Tissue Plasticity Atlas and the Center for Adipocyte Signaling Adipocyne, as well as Head of the Functional Genomics and Metabolism Research Unit. To begin the interview, I always like to ask the guest, how did you get into biology in the first place? So what inspired you to study or to start a career in biology? I think I've always been really fond of uh, nature and uh, very curious. Uh, so I like to understand the basic uh, mechanisms of life. And I was initially very interested in more traditional biology, but then I, I uh, discovered a book about DNA in high school, and that uh, you know I got so obsessed by studying DNA that I determined I would uh, like to study molecular biology. For me, it was kind of the first time I knew what DNA stands for, right? The, the complicated word is was like in the 10th grade or so, and then you say it's desoxyribonucleic acid, mm -hmm. and it's really like, it sparked my interest so it, yeah so the first time you knew what dna was <laughs> yeah so i think it's so fascinating um it's such a simple code and yet it it carries the entire instruction book for life so coming to a sign that science that very generally centers around adipocytes and how epigenetics is involved in their differentiation and regulation um, i want to first focus on ppr gamma what is the function of ppr gamma in adipocytes so, uh, PPR gamma um, is a nuclear transcription factor, a, a nuclear receptor transcription factor, and it um, is a master regulator of adipogenesis. So, without PPR gamma, you cannot uh, differentiate adipocytes. And also, ectopic expression of PPR gamma in progenitor cells drives uh, full differentiation. So, it's really very essential and very important in adipogenesis. And so it's, a, it's my favorite transcription factor. And uh, we study both the regulation of PPR gamma as well as its downstream targets and how it's, uh, how it's functioning. 
Yeah, maybe we can get more into the details of this uh, starting now. So you did some word of work on the binding patterns of PPR gamma and the differences in different types of adipocytes. Um, what did you find there? So we found that PPR gamma, depending on the cell type, it binds to uh, overlapping but distinct uh, sites in in the genome. And that makes a lot of sense, of course, because PPR gamma, although it's so important and it has the, the power to drive adipogenesis, it's still dependent on the of other transcription factors that it cooperate, cooperates with to um, to drive differentiation. So it so the exact function is modulated by other transcription. So factors. it's not like the binding to DNA itself. So is it, is it binding to DNA itself or is it like so so people gamma binds to DNA itself. Um, And the stronger the binding motif, the, the more driving power PPAR gamma has. But it cooperates with other transcription factors, most notably in adipocytes, the other um, master regulator of adipogenesis, namely CPP-alpha. So those two cooperate on inducing many adipocyte genes. So you invested this um, transcription factor cooperativity and super enhances in earlier adipogenesis. And this is, was published as a double feature in cell reports in 14, 2014. Um, can you briefly talk about the process of adipogenesis and then about what you found in, in those two studies? So in that study, we started adipogenesis in a, in a mouse uh, pre-adipocyte cell line called 3-3-L1. And that's the cell line that has been used extensively for studies, uh, molecular studies of adipogenesis. And we found that um, adipogenesis is initiated by a first wave of transcription factors, which induces a, a, a very uh, strong remodeling of the chromatin. And uh, and this is due to co cooperative binding of many different transcription factors to to the same target sites, and uh, then um, we we started how the different transcription factors cooperate, and we then it, then to induce the next wave of transcription factors that is then PPR gamma, CPP alpha, and the, the more adipocyte-specific transcription factor program. So did you see, I mean, p many people look at this now, that, like chromatin accessibility and then the recruitment of those factors to those regions. So are those open first and then those get recruited or how is, did you look at that? Yeah, so no, so actually it's uh, those factors inducing cooperatively the remodeling of the chromatin. So it is the activation of these transcription factors by the cocktail that induces the remodeling. So next you investigated PPR gamma super enhancers and how they are regulated by KLF11 in adipocyte browning. What is the difference between an enhancer and a super enhancer? So there's not so much difference actually. So so super enhancers is a, a term for a uh, for a, a cluster of enhancers. And it seems that there is um, cooperativity uh, of, the enhancers. Of, of, of the constituent enhancers in the super enhancers such that they amplify each other. So I don't think there is uh, specific um, transcription factors, uh, cofactors binding to super enhancers. It's just the... Um, more the magnitude of binding. So they become 
um, a, a single constituent enhancers more powerful and collectively even more powerful. And then it's the, those clusters of enhancers that seem to drive lineage-specific genes. And what was then the role of KLF11 in this? Uh... So the, the connection there was that we, we uh, used the position of super enhancers to predict develop, uh, genes that were important for a... Um, for a, a reprogramming because the genes were close to those enhancers yes yes so we we identified so we we looked at um, hmat cells which is a human adipocyte cell line that you can induce to undergo browning and then we induced browning and then we looked to see which um, clusters of enhancers super enhancers changed uh, activity and then we used that as a predictor of genes that were involved in, in in browning. And then we identified KLF11. So this worked very well to use the proximity as an... Exactly, as a predictive tool. And then we, we, we uh, knocked down KLF11 and saw that that uh, was important for browning of this particular cell. Yeah, that, that uh, yeah, sounds very interesting in, indeed. Um, so during differentiation, enhancer promoter injections are remodeled quite dramatically and enhancers get activated rather quickly. Um, you looked at this process again in adipocyte uh, differentiation. Uh, what did you find there about the establishment of new promoter enhancer loops and also about histone post-translation and modifications? So we, we started again, promoter enhancer looping uh, by promoter capture high C um, in 3 to 3 one cells. And we found that um, um, the novo interaction seems to be driven by activation of enhancers. Um, so what, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but what does it mean that enhancers get activated. I mean, if genes get activated, you have transcription factors binding and then transcription starts, but how is like enhancer activity characterized? So I mean, um, becoming occupied by transcription factors and cofactors. So we were measuring enhancer activation by um, accessibility and by occupancy of transcription factors and, and cofactors. And we could see when enhancers got activated, actually, not only did they gain um, cofactor uh, binding, they also gained co-repressor binding. But 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 yeah, collectively we we uh, we we saw an, an an activation of enhancers, and that then um, was correlated with induced promoter enhancer interaction. So. In, so they get crowded by like more molecules, and th those are of both types, uh, repressors and also activators? Yes, that's what it seemed like. And of course, we, we do not know what the function of uh, the uh, the repressors are, whether they play an active role in activation or whether they modulate the activation. So so get it more granular, like yeah. not like yeah. uh, like a binary thing, but just gradual. And we should also, of course, that that uh, ChipSeq, by which we investigate this, is a um, um, is something we investigate in a population of cells. So whether the same enhancer in an individual cell is occupied by both co-repressors and co-activators, or it happens in different cells, we cannot say. Are you now trying, I mean, this is the obvious question, right? Are you now trying to do single cell studies on, on those things or? 
we we have we have not it would be a super interesting question but but we have not followed up on this okay. in in single cells we do other studies in single cell but not not this <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will come to this in a minute so next to comp uh, yeah and another question that that i had is like did you also look at histone post translational modifications because you said that you looked at uh, accessibility and on transcription factors but what about the uh, the histone modification yeah uh, we started that but mostly to um as a readout of of enhanced state oh yeah just yeah. to correct so see yeah. where they are yeah so we did not really study the mechanisms of that in greater depth so next you compare the transcriptional and epigenomic changes associated with osteoblast and adipocyte differentiation of human stem cells, mm -hmm. human stem cells. Could you briefly talk about why this is such an interesting comparison and after that would you, uh, what you found in this comparison? So I think this is, um, so, so we, we move from the 3 to 3 l one cells, which are a, a bit of a crazy system to work in. They're aneuploid, but it, it works, and uh, but they're aneuploid and highly unstable. To um, a very nice system in human mis immortalized human mesenchymal stem cells, which are nicely deployed and um, better to use for genome editing because there's just two copies of of, of each gene, and um, and uh, we then started a differentiation into either osteoblast or adipocytes from the same cells. And we started chromatin remodeling, we started enhancer activation, and, and what we saw was that uh, adipogenesis is associated with a much more dramatic chromatin remodeling as compared to osteo osteogenesis. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so, Sorry, osteogenesis gives rise to Bones, B bone, yeah, yeah, and and uh, we saw that also many more genes get uh, regulated, so upregulated, downregulated during adipogenesis, and um, we then used our um, our machine learning tool image to predict which transcription factors were driving these changes, um, and. Uh, we 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 focused on a particular group of transcription factors that seem to be active already in the mesenchymal stem cells and seem to be um, that motives seem to gain activity during osteogenesis and and uh, lose activity during adipogenesis and then we tried to knock these we, we selected a group of 12 transcri transcription factors out of uh, 200 predicted transcription factors with these features and of then we knocked down individually these 12 transcription factors and saw that uh, as predicted when we knock them down they actually promote adipogenesis and decrease the ability mm. of the cells to undergo osteogenesis so it seems that these differentiation processes are really driven by many different transcription factors. Although there are um, master regulators, there are many other transcription factors that also contribute to the process. So this is very interesting because like the I'm having a problem with the word, the mesenchymal uh, stem cells, they give rise to those different tissue types, let's call it that. And so the chromatin confirmation that is present in a stem cell and then gets different and then those two things um, is it like uh, pre-defined already in the stem cell which where it goes or is there any kind of foreshadowing or is it so so, so that, that uh, 
certain transcription factors might be already open? Yeah, so, I, yeah, so, uh, so uh, we saw that there was much more remodeling going on when we differentiated cells towards adipocytes as compared to, to osteoblasts. And so there was not much remodeling um, when, when cells were differentiated towards osteoblasts, meaning that it was the, the, that the enhancers that got occupied by osteoblast transcription factors were already open, whereas the ones that got occupied by adipocyte transcription factors had to be remodeled first. So to make it, put it simply, it was more, much more complicated to go down the adipocyte route than to go the that, osteoblast. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seemed. At, at least in under these in vitro conditions, we tried to also uh, compare with um, primary cells and freshly isolated cells, and it seemed to be the same, but... Of course, we are. What we looked at was an in, in, in vitro situation, in vitro culture. So you, you followed up on this by looking at enhancer networks during differentiation of those stem cells, and this was published in Nature Genetics in 2020. Um, can you talk about this study real quick? Yeah. So there we we looked at enhancer uh, enhancer interactions. So in the previous study we had done in 301 cells, we had looked at uh, we had captured promoters and looked at what do they interact with. And we were interested in uh, understanding the cooperativity between enhancers. So we captured um, 17,000 uh, enhancers, uh, predicted enhancers in these cells. And, um, and then we asked what other genomic regions do they interact with. And we saw there was a lot of enhancer-enhancer interaction that was rather dynamic And we found that enhancers form communities of interacting enhancers that interact uh, more with each other than with the rest of the genome. And we so also again hinting to the super enhancer. So is this different? Yeah. So uh, I'll come back to okay. that. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, so the, and and then we um, we also identified uh, enhancers that are highly interacting, and we set an arbitrary threshold of of eight. Uh, interacting enhancers, but of course that could be anywhere. So, but but we found that these uh, high um, highly interacting enhancers, um, if they are present in these enhancer communities, these communities seem to be driving uh, um, um, cell type specific gene expression. So we could see that in um, uh, that in the mesenchymal stem cells. Enhancer communities with these um, highly interacting enhancers were already established. They were not at at uh, developmental genes, but the genes were not active. So when we then differentiated the cells towards adipocytes, the new adipocyte enhancers got activated and moved in and became part of these in uh, adipocyte enhancer communities. And similar, when we differentiated towards osteoblast, um, osteoblast enhancers became more part of these enhancer communities. So, so it seemed that the that the fates of the the different fates of uh, the mesenchymal stem cells were already pre-programmed 
in the mesenchymal stem cells. We, we also found communities supporting myogenesis and chondrogenesis, but they were just not active yet. And then they became activated by increasing connectivity in these uh, enhancer communities by further active, activating new linear-specific enhancers. So it seems like there are many levels of already like preparing differentiation yes. in different ways, right? Yes. There is like uh, accessibility, there yeah. is like the enhancer. So it's, it's really nice to see that those yeah, really come together and like program them into the right direction Yeah, act quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that was a bad question from an interviewer just to, to leave you with yes or no. Um, what I'm always interested in, because this was now a study from 2020, but what is your current work? What are you working on right now? And let's say in the next five years or the next grant. So in this line of research, we're we are currently focusing on um, architectural proteins that play a role in, in shaping um, enhancer communities and directing enhancer communities towards in, in differentiation. And we're working on a particular locus, uh, people gamma, as the, 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 the master regulator and how that locus is kept rather silent in the mesenchymal stem cells but upon induction of differentiation becomes activated and this is what i spoke about at this meeting so um, there we are we um, have identified several enhancers that become selectively activated um, in adipogenesis and we have then deleted one enhancer at a time and we've identified some enhancers that are really essential for the ability to activate people gamma and we've seen that this enhance, these enhancers overlap with um, human genome variants that uh, play a role in diabetes and uh, body mass index and uh, body fat distribution, etc. And you said that this is one area of your work. Yeah. What would other areas be? So other areas of my work and what we're doing in our center of excellence that is looking at uh, tissue plasticity of adipose tissues so with single cell technologies. We're looking at all the different cells in the adipose tissue and we are investigating. We have seen that there are different types of adipocytes even within the same tissue and we're trying to investigate what programs certain adipocytes to be very insulin sensitive or more stressed or more lipid absorbing versus more lipogenic. Um, and our, our suggestion is that it's a niche, but that's something we uh, we're investigating. So what does plasticity really mean? Is it the difference within the same tissue or the ability of differentiated cells to do something else? So it's the plasticity of the tissue. So how the tissue changes, for example, in obesity. Okay. Um, and uh, we're also looking at regression of obesity. So we are following what happens to adipose tissue upon bariatric surgery and uh, also uh, self-induced weight loss. And so how what so what? how is the adipose tissue coping with, you know, loss of lipid and uh, what's, 
what does the tissue do to get rid of the, those big uh, adipocytes that are not very very healthy? Yeah. So to finish off this interview, I have two more rather general questions. Um, the first one, did you at one point of your career face the situation that you have reached a dead end and did not know how to proceed to unravel the questions you wanted to answer? Mm. Yeah. I think... Um, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I cannot think of of a situation uh, right now. But th I think there we. I always have more. We always have more ideas than you can really follow up on. So it's all always a, a matter of choosing the most important question, the most exciting question. And if if a question becomes too difficult to address. You might you might put it on hold for a while. <laughs> so without completely giving up on it, uh, maybe at a later point in time you'll find a way to 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 solve the question and 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 then you can pull it out again. But yeah, it's 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 a matter of prioritizing uh, your ideas. Or maybe find a question even where a negative result would be interesting enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in the last, now it's uh, almost 30 minutes, we have taken a journey through your scientific career. Uh, can you maybe give a short summary about what you would consider your most important finding or something that I missed or we missed in this interview? Yeah, I think um, I, I think uh, one of the most important findings is, this about, is with this um, uh, chromatin remodeling during adipogenesis and uh, enhancer communities. So how enhancers cooperate uh, and how transcription factors cooperate, how enhancers cooperate in um, in driving adipogenesis. But we've, yeah, I, we've um, also studied... Um, other processes that I didn't talk about. So, for example, we studied um, a small lipid binding protein called acyl-CoA binding protein. So that's where something I worked on in my PhD and we followed up on and, and um, we generated transgenic mice uh, with ACPP knockout in different tissues. So that was another interesting time in my career where, yeah. <laughs> But I think it's also nice to look at those like molecules that accumulate in the body and what they, what effects they have, yeah. right? So thank you, Susanne, for your time and for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Epigenetics Podcast from Active Motif. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the mentioned references in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so please send us your feedback on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or via email at podcast at activemotif.com, and we'll give you a shout-out in a future episode. For more great epigenetics content, check out the Active Motif blog at activemotif.com forward slash blog. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.